Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the miners to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 9 of the Fantrax Prospect Toolship with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I am your host, Eric Cross, and joining me as always in the Toolship is my esteemed co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's going on, man? Hey, Eric. What's going on? Not much over here. Just uh, enjoying some pretty mild weather down here in the south and uh, ready to talk some third-base prospects. All right, here. For some uh, for some backstory, I was texting with Chris yesterday afternoon uh, about our our rankings for this position, and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll uh, I'll update the sheet when I get home. I'm out disc golfing." Sends me a pic. It's like this nice pic. You know, he's in Georgia. It's like what was it? Six, 60 degrees yesterday, Chris? That it was about, yeah, it was close to sixty. Oh wait a minute. No, I think you used the the terminology like a crisp fifty five or something yeah, like that. It was a brisk brisk day. <laughs> a brisk day. I used the word brisk. And uh, meanwhile, as I sent him a screenshot of my my home screen on my phone which has my weather app on it, and it was 28 degrees or something, which actually is the warmest it's been up here in Maine uh, in the last week or so. We've been very cold and very – had a snowstorm, dumped two feet of snow on us last Thursday. Um, so, yeah, that was funny. I was like, yeah, brisk my you-know-what. <laughs> come up to Maine and deal with the snow and cold we have to deal with. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let's get into the show here. You can find Chris and I on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 4 our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot. And Chris is doing a little um, little promotion here, um, giving away uh, three copies of the Fantasy Baseball Black Book that I am in with Joe Pizapia and many others. Um, so if you want to get entered into that, uh, all you have to do is drop a five-star review on our podcast and send Chris the screenshot, tag Chris, tag our podcast, tag me, whatever. Um, definitely tag Chris at least. He's the one doing it right now. And you will be entered into that. And that's a great, that's a great book right there. Um, and that's that's out for sale right now too. It came out uh, about a week ago on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle version. You can get it on hard copy. Uh, if you're like me, I love hard copies and I'm making my little notes and whatnot and tabs and whatever it may be. So, uh, you, you can get both of those 
versions available now on Amazon. It's a bestseller for uh, baseball books, so definitely go check that out. And a couple more things we got going on here. Chris pumped out a Andrew Vaughn article, very intriguing rookie for 2021. That came out yesterday, and he has a out today a Dynasty Corner Infield Buy Low article. And then I have my updated Dynasty rankings out today, so go check those out. And tomorrow I'll have an article on uh, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. I plan to do it as a combo, but it might get so long I might split it up into two articles, one for each player. We'll see how it goes, uh, finishing that up later today. Um, but a lot of good stuff on Fantrax HQ as we get into the holiday season and into draft kit season, which will be starting. I think we're going to put out our draft kit right around the first of the first of the new year. So be on the lookout for that. Today's episode, we're going to continue our positional prospect rankings and breakdown and discussion here with the third base position. And when we were putting our rankings together, this was, you know, maybe not a star sort of position without including some, you know, 50-50 guys that we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. But there's a lot of depth here. Um, but let's start with our top 12. Chris, who, who's your top 12 at this position? All right. So just we'll go ahead and preface that we have Spencer Torkelson here. We know that we talked about him a lot in first base, but we, we included him here because that's how the Tigers drafted him at third base. So he comes in at number one. Austin Martin, the Swiss Army knife that plays everywhere, comes in at number two. Uh, Jordan Groshans, it's funny, all three, all of the top three <laughs> here, all kind of can go a lot of different places, but uh, Groshans is a shortstop and third base also. I think he projects at third long term. Got Cabrian Hayes, four, Nolan Jones, five, Josh Young, six, Cody Hosey, seven, Nolan Gorman, eight, Bobby Dahlbeck, nine, Brett Batty, 10. Shirton Apostle, 11, and Jonathan India, 12. What about you? Yeah, kind of like what I mentioned, where if we didn't include those first three, where, you know, probably they maybe end up at other positions, but just to include them here makes this position a little more interesting at the top. Um, obviously, I have Torkelson at one as well, Austin Martin, two, Claire. Um, even though he didn't play any third last year, he split time there in 2018 between third and short, and, you know, they have Boba Shedd up there, so... I think there's at least a 50% chance he does wind up at third base. There's a lot of moving parts up there in Toronto. Who knows? You know, they have Vladdy back at third and move him back to first. Austin Martin, who knows where he ends up? Probably the outfield. Who knows? We'll talk about him today, though, um, just because there's so many other outfielders we can talk about during that episode. Um, but, yes, Groshans three, Nolan Gorman four, Nolan Jones five, Cabron, Cabron Hayes six, Cody Hody seven, Josh Jung eight, Bobby Dahlbeck nine, Jonathan India, 10, Brett Batty, 11, and Shirton Apostle, 12. So pretty similar. Like last week, we had a little bit of some differences here. Now this week, we I think we have the same top 12, a little bit different here. But let's start right at the top. You know, like I said, we already talked about Torque. We're not, not going to get into him this week. We already talked about him in our first episode. So if you want to hear about him, go back and check that episode out. Where I could talk about him again, just kind of referencing that he would be first here too, if this is where he does end up long term. But Let's start with the other two here. Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans, both of the um, Toronto Blue Jays. Martin just picked, you know, fifth overall this past year. Kind of dropped a little bit. People thought he'd go maybe second to Baltimore, but at the lowest, like third or fourth. Ended up sliding to Toronto at five, which is a great spot for him. They just add another great hitter. You know, Chris, you know, with Austin Martin, he might not have the you know, the big-time power speed profile, but, man, the title is damn good oh for sure and he arguably was the best hit 
hit tool in that draft class last year. Like you mentioned, and I, I even say Swiss Army knife plays everywhere. Play, he's capable of playing third, short, second, center field, even the corner spot. Man, he could play any of those with the Blue Jays. So it'll be interesting to see where he slots in. And I think they were probably shocked that he fell to them at five, which was huge for them to get him there. And they they overslotted him a little bit to go ahead and sign him because I mean that was a steal for them at five. And I think he's going to fit right in with this young group of talented hitters in Toronto. His hit tool is elite. The field to hit or is elite. He's got great feel for the barrel. He, he effortlessly makes great contact. And he's got this short but quick swing. The power's probably average to – could grow to above average, but just the way he controls the zone so well. And he hits all parts of the field, gives him a very high batting average floor. There's really no real weaknesses in the plate that I see. I mean, in three seasons at Vandy, 140 games, 665 plate appearances – 14 homers, 43 stolen bases, 368 batting average, 474 on base percentage, and a 532 slug. So pretty impressive, pretty decorated college hitter. He should fit right in, fly through the organization, and be in Toronto before too long. And I think he's going to be a stud hitter. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's kind of funny. Like you look at his baseball reference page, right? He played over his three year, two and a quarter, we'll call it, uh, year career at Vanderbilt. He played everywhere besides right field and catcher. Played all four infield spots and then left and center as well. And even you know, baseball uh, reference has him listed at third base, comma outfield, comma first baseman. So there's a lot of lot of possibilities here, both with him and Groshans and others. Uh, they coming up through a lot of good talent in this in the system still, even after all you know, the guys that graduated over the last couple of years, the big four mainly. But yeah, I think it was just a case of. They, I don't think they thought Martin would be there at five. Like they kind of was shocked and like, okay, we can't pass up Austin Martin, even if, even if he might not fit position wise what we had going on already. And we already kind of have a log jam of position players. You know, who knows? They, I think they might have been going pitcher there. I'm, I'm not, I don't have any ties to that system, but yeah, definitely could pass up Austin Martin and let him slot even further. Like you mentioned, the hit tool is easily plus. This is a guy that has all the makings of a of 300 hitter. You know, moving forward, he said he hit 368 at Vandy, more walks and strikeouts. Uh, walk rate was well over 10%. Doesn't chase much at all. He said he, he puts the barrel on the ball, you know, can spray line drives to all fields. You know, doesn't have the huge power to speed, like I mentioned. Even though you look at, you know, the 43 steals that Chris mentioned in his 140 games at Vandy might make you think otherwise. But, you know, this is more of like a above average speed type where I think he can get up to like 20 steals, low 20s in that general ballpark. You know, power probably in the upper teens. So, you know, right in the ballpark of 2020 with a little more speed. Um, but I don't think we'll see 25, 30 bombs. Maybe he gets up to that area for speed, but um, definitely don't think the power gets up there. He's more of a line drive hitter. Like I said, he's you know, gap to gap type of hitter. Um, but like I said, the contact skills are great. The walk rate is great. You know, 474 OBP, like Chris mentioned. I think he's going to be. This is like a tailor-made, like number two hitter in a lineup, I think, or even maybe leadoff. You know, he has the speed in on base goes to hit leadoff as well. So I am, you know, super high on him. Very high floor. Kind of reminds me of what everyone thought or everyone wanted Nick Senzel to be when he was coming out of Louisville a couple of years ago, where it was kind of a similar profile with the the good hit tool, you know, solid but not spectacular power and speed and. 
Yes, and Zealous kind of hasn't had the greatest career so far, but he's had other issues with, with the, the vertigo and whatnot that have been some injuries that have hampered him. But Austin Martin, I think, has that upside and even a little bit more because I think he has an even better hit tool than Senzel had. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, it's a 300 plus 15 to 20 bombs, 20 to 25 steals. Like Chris mentioned, he's going to get up there pretty quick, but who knows where he plays? Like played mostly, you know, third base in 2019. That's where 52 of his, uh, of his uh, 69 starts or 65, excuse me, 52 of his 65 were at third base. And then 2020 in the shortened season, 12 of his 16 games came at, uh, center field with the other four coming at third base. So probably doesn't end up at third or short because the, they already got that log gym over there with Vladdy, with Bo, with Jordan Groshans. We'll talk about here in a second, but maybe, you know, I've heard some second, maybe some center field. That's where he played mostly. I think if I had to, you know, guess right now, probably say center field or just outfield in general, but who knows? Maybe he bounces around a little bit, continues that Swiss army knife type of, you know, plays, a handful of different positions, like a Jeff McNeil type or something like that. Um, but yeah, super high floor. I think someone that might even have a higher ceiling doesn't have that quite the floor. I mean, maybe even a similar or higher ceiling as Jordan Groshans doesn't have speed. You know, this is not, even though he played shortstop predominantly last year in all of his starts, doesn't have big speed that you expect from the shortstop, but man, can Groshans freaking hit, you know, this we're talking a potential, you know, best case scenario. We could be plus hit plus power. Right now, you know, the bat speed is phenomenal. The context skills are phenomenal. He just squares up and barrels, which is all over the field. But in the swing's a little linear. Um, needs to kind of drive the ball in the air a little bit more. So he only has seven bombs in 71 games so far in the minors. But a 309, 376, 457 slash. But, you know, all things considered, I think we could see him be a, you know, 280 to 290 hitter, maybe flirt with 300 a little bit, 25 bombs if he can get that launch angle up and really start driving the ball in the air more. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Jordan Groshans. So I think he might have a similar ceiling to Austin Martin, but not quite as high of a floor. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And like you mentioned, right now that linear swing, but I think you can really see him adding some loft to it, and he's going to grow into his frame. Like there's a lot of projectability yeah. left in his frame. The beauty was that he hit line drives at such a high rate, and he was very advanced at doing that for his age. Sprays to the field, all fields well. I liked his approach that from what I've seen, he looked to be in the midst of that breakout in 2019 before his season was cut short by a foot injury. Uh, But man, I'm excited about him. I think that like you mentioned, the plus uh, bat speed balance swing has all the makings to be plus power plus hit there. He barrels the ball. Well, he's going to hit for a high average. I think he's done it. He's shown it. The power is going to develop. He's going to fill out this frame and, I think that he could be another stud infielder for the Blue Jays. And they've they've got quite a few of those. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort all these guys out. But I think that he's shown the ability in the already. He's shown these skills, and I think he's going to continue to develop. Obviously, we hadn't seen what he's done because it's been since May of 2019. But I'm expecting that there's been a lot of development in this lost time that a lot of people have said the prospects have lost, but I'm sure he's been working hard at the alt site. He's been getting a lot of work against good pitching. They've got some um, solid ones there that he's working against. I think he just steps right in. He's going to be solid, and you're going to see him really take off this year in 2021. Yeah, definitely. And he's already one that I have, you know, in top 25 territory in my overall rankings. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. 
Now, if I had to, my best guess is I think you'll see Groshans at third, Bo at short. I think Vladdy back over the first. Probably Martin in center, Biggio at second, something like that. But then again, they have Lorovis Martinez coming up too. You know, he's obviously a lower, you know, a tier below these guys. But yeah, a lot of moving parts. But if I had to, you know, bet a hundred bucks of my own money on where Groshans will end up, I'm going to say third base. With he's got a really good arm too. He's got the arm for third. Not a standout defender. You know, he's adequate over there at third, but definitely has the arm for it. Very strong arm. Um, going with all the uh, the offensive skills we mentioned, so definitely a uh, a bat to uh, invest in now. Because even though I I rank him that high, you know, I don't think his his price tag in dynasty leagues is quite that high. So it's because he hasn't really you know the power hasn't come along in games yet. You know I think once that does, you know, good luck trying to get this guy. His price tag will skyrocket. So this might be uh, the last you know, good time to buy on Groshans now before he kind of skyrockets in twenty twenty one. But switching gears here, we had a, a few interest, tr- interesting debuts in 2021 at this position. Uh, three mainly here with Cabrian Hayes, Bobby Dahlbeck, even when he played more so at first, and Isaac Paredes. And let's start with uh, let's start with Cabrian Hayes here, Chris, where you know, he's the one everyone is talking about right now. His ADP uh, for 2021, I believe, is already in the, inside the top 200. And he really, you know, had a really, really good um, debut last year, which put him on the you know, on the map for fantasy purposes this year. So what do you think about uh, Cabron Hayes, both for 2021 and long term? Yeah, I think, well, it's interesting because a lot of people had kind of soured on him. I won't say completely soured, but I think a lot of people had scaled back. He was very high for a while in a lot of rankings, and he kind of came down to earth a little bit. And then he debuts here and it just takes off. His ADP right now is 138. For 2021. Oh, Jesus. 138? 138. I thought it was like in like the 180 range. God, 138. 138. That's Ooh. pretty high, man, for a guy who just debuted. And obviously, he was impressive. It was just 95 plate appearances. He slashed 376, 442, 682, and hit five home runs. The power was always the question. A lot of scouts questioned whether he could actually develop that. Very few said that he could. And here it was. He had five home runs and in, in 95 plate appearances. I I would guess that the power regresses a little bit. I think you're going to hit on that some when you kind of rebuke <laughs> this and talk about him a little bit. A but bit. considering he hit just 10 total in 2019, I'm just not seeing the true power breakout here. But I'm not surprised to see him hit for solid average. He's not going to hit, obviously, 376 again. It's a major outlier. There was regression coming. But he does have a good hit tool. He's a premium defender. Like that's where his value comes in real life. Like Hayes is a great real life player in my opinion because he's going to win some Gold Gloves at third base. He's got a good arm, and he's that good in the field. I don't think the bat is as good as we saw. You're going to see some regression. He very much overperformed here, but I think he has a potential just to be a solid asset for fantasy. He's not going to be like great and stand out, but he's just going to be good. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, solid and good are two words uh, I use to describe Cabrian Hayes a lot. You mentioned his great defensive skills at third base. You know, I think he he falls into that better in real life than fantasy category for me, where I think he's going to have a long career. You know, these types of guys where, you know, he's a solid hitter, good, very good defensively. Like you said, there could be some a gold glove award or two in his future, but he's going to stick around for, you know, a decade, 15 plus years. 
you know, I don't know if that's that's all going to be in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he might, you know, be a little too pricey for them if he, you know, be hits, um, you know, over the next few years. But you know, this is going to be a very good ball player. But if for fantasy purposes, I'm still not fully buying in. I'll admit, you know, I've been kind of the low man on the total pole ranking wise for Brian Hayes over the last, you know, two to three years. Admit, maybe admittedly a bit too low. I admit that I was ranked him too low. Um, I kind of, you know, once you start dropping a guy down, sometimes you have a habit of dropping him too far down. You just keep dropping him down further and further. That was me with Cabrian Hayes. So I, I adjusted that. I bumped him back up after his solid debut or his very good debut. But, yeah, I'm definitely not fully buying in there. You know, because you look at – you mentioned a couple of these metrics here, but, you know, he had a – was it a 450 BABIP. His ISO more than doubled um, from 2019 uh, up to 306. His ISO – in 2019 here was i can't read my own notes 150 and it more than doubled when he got up to the major leagues while having basically the exact same uh estimated fly ball distance and a lower fly ball rate a higher ground ball rate there's this <laughs> there's a lot of flukiness there um in in that short sample size like that is just not something that is repeatable he had a 25% Home run to fly ball ratio. Nope. That's not for someone with you know, his type of swing. You know, maybe it might be sustainable for like Cody Ballinger or Joey Gallo or someone like that that puts the ball in the air as routinely as they do, but not Cabrian Hayes. And like you mentioned, Chris, that power is what, what I've always questioned. Um, even to this day, like I said, I don't believe in that power that he showed. That, I think he showed a little bit more. So I'm, I'm willing to give him a slight bump up in the power department than where I was in the past. But at the same time, this is a guy that hit 25 home runs in 461 games. That is a little under three full seasons. So you're talking right around 9 to 10 on average per season. And obviously you can't just go with that and say, oh, that's where he's going to be, 9 to 10 home runs. That's not. I think he can be you know, 15 to 18 in that range. I don't think we're going to see 25, 30 bombs. I really don't. But you know, he's probably average maybe above average raw average in-game power. So I think he can get up in that mid to upper teens range with some more speed. You know, he, that's a good thing about him that he'll be able to provide that speed that not many third basemen can provide. And especially in this day and age where it's mostly just big boppers like Chris Bryant that don't provide much speed anymore. So that'll be nice. And like I said, the average should be solid. I don't think he's going to be a 300 plus hitter, but I think there's a, average to above average hit tool here as well so it's a lot of 50 55 grades across the board here where you could be looking at a 275 280 hitter in that ball maybe down you know 270 280 15 to 20 you know home runs 15 to 20 steals and that's very solid but then again this lineup around him isn't gonna be great anytime soon like pittsburgh last year was atrocious offensively he was a jolt in the arm of a lineup that needed several jolts in the arm so, and there's not really a lot of you know top prospects that are near you know for them which i'm not, not on the hitting side of things so you know they have nick gonzalez but he was just drafted <laughs> so he won't be out for a couple of years probably so i don't see them going out and getting anybody that's not a big market team so i just don't think the lineup around him is gonna be too great either so maybe he's a guy that's like in the 70s for rbi at home run that general ballpark so just really he'll give you a steady production across the board but nothing that's going to stand out. So 138, man, like 180, I thought was even a little too high, but I can see, I could see it. I really could. 
but especially with the, with the with the speed that he can give you as well, like I mentioned. But 138, I just can't get on board. Like some of the other guys in that range, like that's pretty near Alec Bohm range, who I'm much, much higher on. I think Bohm's a little bit higher than that ADP-wise. I don't have it in front of me. But, yeah, I, I can't get behind that. So if you want to draft him at 138, I hope you're in my league. So I, I'm not going to draft him that high. I'd rather draft somebody else in that ballpark. that will give me some um, better production. But you know, moving on here to Bobby Dahlbeck. And Dahlbeck's a – he's an interesting prospect. He's someone I've seen a lot in you – know, you know, he's a Boston Red Sox, and that's my home team. And saw him a lot coming up through um, – especially the double a level when i got some live looks at him i love his power that, that is his calling card you know you look up th- the three true outcome hitter in the dictionary and you'll see a picture about bobby dahlbeck smiling at you um great guy you know hard worker everything i i've heard from the system the power is great but hit tool not so great contact skills are below average like you see he's never going to be a guy like two 60 is probably the absolute 100% ceiling. And I don't even put that as a high likelihood that he gets to 260. You know, in, in the minors, he was 261 hitter, but he, the swing and miss issues are profound here. He strikes out a ton, also walks a good amount too. He, like he was routinely well above 10% walk rate in the minor leagues over the last three years, 2017, 18, and 19. So that's great. So the OPP will be salvaged. He's much better asset in OBP formats than in average leagues. And he's just got power that is tailor-made for Fenway Park. Like, he's a very strong, durable frame. He's listed at 6'4", about 230. I think that might be even be a little uh, light, too. He may be 235, 240, but that's just me speculating here. But a very, very strong frame, very athletic, strong frame, especially in the lower half. His legs are freaking tree trunks, let me tell you. Um, very, you know, rotational swing, got a lot of torque, you know, quick hands, so he is going to absolutely assault the Green Monster at Fenway Park. He's going to probably hit a few balls through the damn thing. Um, so it's just a lot of doubles, a lot of home runs into the monster seats are over it. Now, this is double plus raw power, um, but probably got to hit lower in the lineup. But you got to love that power. But and maybe I'm a little, little biased here because I'm a Red Sox fan. So let's get the uh, perspective of a non-Red Sox fan and an Atlanta Braves fan here with Chris. Chris, what do you think of Bobby Dahlbeck? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned a three-outcome guy because I've got it in big (laughs) words right there. True three-outcome player. In in his first four years of pro ball, he averaged 33 homers, 80 walks, and 203 strikeouts. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that is exactly what he does. And you mentioned it. The raw power ranks among some of the best in baseball. A ton of strength, ton of bat speed, ton of loft in his swing. He's also extremely over-aggressive in his approach, which leads to a lot of strikeouts, obviously. Um, He's at his best, honestly, when he's more selective at the plate and he doesn't try to hit out of the park, which is not that often, I don't think. (laughs) He I mean, the slash time was impressive this year when he came up, 263, 359, 600, but that's like the max of what you're going to get. And obviously it was a small sample, (laughs) but strikeout rate, 42.4%. Walk rate, 10.9%. It's exactly what he does. Home run, strikeout, or walk. So what you're going to get. The power is going to be massive. He's probably low enough value right now, where it's like even in redraft league, it's not going to cost you a lot if you're looking for late power, especially in an OBP league where I think, like you mentioned, he's extremely more valuable than a bad average league because he's very prone to hit like 240. He kind of reminds me of like K-Riss Davis that hits 247 every year with like 40 home run pop. You know, Dahlbeck 
at least from a statistical output, put could do something like that. And so that would be interesting to see how he actually translates over a full year. But uh, Dahlbeck's solid. I like him. The power is immense. And if you're looking for that, then then he's your guy. But you're not going to have to pay enough of a cost right now for it to, to really matter. You're going to get him late enough where he's just a late-round power target. If you want him in a dynasty league, you can get him pretty cheaply and come out pretty looking pretty good if you need some home runs. So Dahlbeck's solid. Uh, another guy that debuted this year is uh, Isak Paredes with the Tigers. He's kind of eh, meh, <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> meh is a great way to describe Isak Paredes. <laughs> so his debut was was disappointing, in my opinion. Just hit one home run, slash 220, 278, 290 slug. Ugh. He's shown the ability to walk in the minors and more than he strikes out. And he shows good judgment on pitches, which I like. Doesn't chase that often. Makes solid contact on pitches in the zone when he gets a good pitch to hit. Uh, the power's probably average at best, but he should hit plenty of doubles. Like he's got enough power and gap power at least to provide some good doubles. And he does have a solid hit tool, but he's a guy that I'm not overly enthusiastic about for fantasy purposes. Might again play better in real life. And what are your thoughts? Now you pretty much hit it on the head where uh, I, I saw Isak Paredes a little bit in double a um, when he was with Erie in the Easter league. Saw him probably three, four times total between his trips to New Hampshire and, and Portland. But yeah, he didn't, didn't stand out to me. It was like, all right, this is a, a decent hitter. Like you said, he's probably above average hit tool, you know, walks a decent amount, walk rates near 10%. Doesn't strike out much at all either. So he's, he's a hard guy to strike out. I think his K rate was around like 14, 15% in the minors. So probably here for a decent average. I can see, you know, the, the range being like, 270 to 285 with him, you know, in that ballpark. But yeah, the power is it's average. You know, doesn't elevate too much. Uh, makes it you know, some solid contact. Like he was spraying some liners in the, in the looks I got at him, but it was mostly like you, you kind of you mentioned the gap to gap variety. Doesn't get a ton of loft on the ball. You know, even though he did crank a <laughs> crank a home run to left in one one of the games I saw, but he's just I think he benefits from being in a system uh, in an organization that doesn't have a lot of roadblocks in front of them. Like Detroit is pretty much decimated <laughs> right now. They don't have any real, like, all right, this guy, boom, it's going to be a Detroit building block for the next handful of years. They don't have that. The closest they have it to that is Torkelson who they just drafted, you know? So if he was in like San Diego or Boston or, you know, New York or something like that, uh, a team that has, or Toronto, <laughs> for example, we just talked about. I don't think he's getting a shot right now. You know, I think obviously he benefits from having nobody in front of him in Detroit. They can just throw him in there and, you know, hope something sticks. But and that, and that's nothing against Isaac Brady. It's like, he's not bad. He's a, like, he's a solid hitter. Probably, you know, you'll see a lot of like 275, 15 homer type of seasons from him. Um, I don't think, I think peak. Best case scenario, you're looking at 20 bombs. Doesn't provide any speed. Um, he had 13 steals total in uh, 424 minor league games. So maybe he gets you a couple. But this is not really a, a big fantasy get at any you know part of his career, probably. And maybe back-end guy, waiver-wire guy if he gets hot. But, you know, 2021, deeper leagues, maybe – you know, give him a shot if you have a, a lot of bench spots because he ha- he has the spot. He's going to start, but 
I'm not expecting a whole lot out of Isak Paredes, but let's go ahead and take a break here. It's a good spot to stop and take a break, but we'll come back on the other side, and we get a lot more names to talk about, including a lot of the, the 2020 draft class that had a lot of uh, third baseman in it and our upside and breakup picks on the show. All right, welcome back from the break. So we're talking third baseman right now. We've already been talking about a lot of the top guys and the guys that debuted. Let's, let's talk about a lot of the other guys that are kind of on the cusp, and we have a couple here that – Actually, there's a lot here that could debut over the next, you know, year or so, year plus. Um, one of the more intriguing ones that's highest on the list in terms of rankings here is Nolan Jones. And Nolan Jones is a, another interesting one where he walks a ton, almost to the point where it's hurt him. Like his patience has gotten to the point where you know he gets in a lot more two-strike counts and strikes out probably more than his skills will indicate. So you look at the strikeout rate and you think that there's a swing and miss issue here. There really isn't. It's just because he gets himself in a lot of two-strike counts. And that also has kind of limited his power upside here. So he's one that I kind of – I always have a hard time ranking. Like I want to rank him higher than I do, but he always ends up falling into like the 50 to 70 range for me. Um, but I just want to see kind of like that Trent Grisham. Now, even though he's a different type of player, doesn't have like Grisham speed or anything like that, but that kind of that – transformation that revolution that Grisham had about what two years ago where he started being a little bit more aggressive while still having that patient approach and still walking a good amount but you know being more aggressive hunting out that pitch and driving it I think that could really um, help Jones here but how, how are you feeling on Jones right now Chris yeah you summed it up perfectly you look at the raw stats and you see a guy who strikes out a lot because he just is too patient and he doesn't swing the bat enough he's overly selective yeah, it's pretty impressive when you can walk at 20% clips, but when you're striking out also 25 to 30% of the time, you're not getting the bat on the ball enough. I mean, he's got massive raw power. There's no doubting that. Like, huge raw power upside. The hit tool has some holes. Like, I mean, he could still work and I think get to an average hit tool, but he's not going to ever tap into these if he doesn't swing the bat enough. So he's got to get more aggressive, like you mentioned. And if he doesn't, we're never going to see the true upside. And the upside, obviously, is a, a guy who can hit for a solid average. He's going to have a monster OBP, and he's going to have 30 home run pop. And there's no denying that he has those tools in the in the tool shed. Let's say that in the tool shed. But <laughs> he has to swing the bat more, which is concerning. But overall, like he has a healthy like distribution of, of line drives, fly balls, good home run to fly ball rate. Just want to see him hit the ball and make contact more. Is it's all I want to see. And until he does that, it's hard to justify bumping him. But like if you're in an OBP league, he's a monster. Like he could easily approach like a 380, 390 OBP, even four hundreds some seasons. So he's gonna give you a monster number there if you're in that format. But for batting average, definitely a little less value. But again, it's just gonna take him being more aggressive. And when he gets more aggressive, he could easily break out and be a monster, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of that. And you mentioned the OBP and, and sort of that. You know, it's looking at his stats. The last time that he had an OBP under 400, Barack Obama was still in office. It was the 2016 season, his his debut in the Arizona Rookie League. So that was before, you know, Trump took over and at the end of the year, and, and or technically in January of 2017. But it's just funny that it's been that long since 
Nolan Jones had an OBP under 400. It was 430 in 2017 in 62 games in the New York Penn League. And then 405 in 2018 between low A and, and high A, uh, class A advanced, I should say. And then 409 in 2019 between class A advanced and double A. And we mentioned you know, the strikeout rate. It's not like it's terrible. It's not Bobby Dahlbeck range. Like, he's been in like the 26 to 28% range, but he's probably just on skills alone more of like a low 20s K rate guy. Like he's There's no like huge issues here where I'm like, ah, oh, he's going to strike out too much and it's going to hurt the average, blah, blah, blah. That's not really here. It's just that, you know, being overly patient. You know, the walk rate in 2019, he walked 96 times and 535 plate appearances, which equates to a right around 18% walk rate. Overall in his career, that rate is 17.3%, which is great. You know, I'd rather have him be walking than striking out, but... At the same time, I just wish that he could show a little bit more aggressiveness to get to that power because he only has 38 home runs in 340 games. Like you mentioned, Chris, the power is there to get to that 25 to 30 home run range. It definitely is. And he's, got, he's still got some projection left in his frame, too. He's, he's filled out a bit, um, but he still has a little bit of projection left. You know, I love I love his swing. It's a very fluid swing. He seems to get the ball in the air a little more, be a little more aggressive. I think we could see a guy that's hitting. You know, He's, he's got you know an average to above average hit tool, I'd say. So we're talking, you know, 270, 280 range in that ballpark with, you know, if he can get the power up. Like right right now, I project him at around 20 home runs. But if he can get the power, you know, tick that up, be a little more aggressive. You could see 25 to 30 bombs. He's, he's even got a little bit of speed, too. Not a burner by any touch of the imagination. But, you know, a handful of seals, five a year, maybe just three, four, five. Just throw that in for good measure. Um, and the OPP is going to be um, – Absolutely insane. He's, this this guy could have a forty, you know, forty percent on base rate in, in the major leagues, or at least three eighty plus. Like I put three eighty as like the low end of that spectrum. So, yeah, definitely a guy that you know maybe even try to buy a little bit low here if people are kind of like just underwhelmed by the production in the minor leagues. Even though it's been you know nothing to scoff at with a two eighty three average and four hundred nine OBP by any means, but and maybe there's like kind of off on him because of the power. So maybe try to swoop in and get him for a little bit of a discount here. Um, definitely still very high on Jones long term. Probably, probably not up this year. Though I won't put it 100 out of the question, but more so 20 early 2022 ETA that he could take over. You know, maybe if he tears it up certain season, maybe we see him late 2021. Um, but probably more so 2022. But you're definitely a, a solid buy low here on Nolan Jones if that opportunity arises in your dynasty leagues. And another guy that you can definitely buy low right now is. The, the star is kind of faded on him. It's Jonathan India. Chris, what have you seen from Jonathan India so far? Are you down on him as well? It's a big fall from grace for him since he was the fifth overall pick in 2018 out of Florida. And he was extremely talented in college. He showed all these skills that we just haven't seen. I mean, in college, he was an elite power speed threat. He had a 310 batting average in three seasons, 411 OBP, 530 slug. It's like the the things that you want to see out of a hitter. And he's come up and just not shown any of this, honestly, which is kind of concerning. It's kind of been a trend with the Reds, like high hitting draft picks, like Nixon Zell also, which is interesting to see that. But man, India, the talent is there. He has the skills to be a really good player. But man, is it just, it's been a rough go. I mean, in 2018, he made three different stops upon his pro debut, hit just 240 with six home runs. The OBP was solid, 380, 
slug, not so much at 433. Didn't show much power at all. Didn't have many hits outside of singles, which was discouraging a little bit. And then in 2019, uh, between uh, high A and double A, he hit 259, uh, 365 OBP. So the OBP skills are solid and just a 402 slug. So the power has just been virtually drained, which is concerning. But I do think the skills are still in there, and I think it's a good opportunity to buy low because we have to realize sometimes it takes a little while for guys to develop and translate from college to pro ball. I mean, playing in the SEC is a high level of, of college ball. It's the highest level you can get. But even then, it take, sometimes it takes guys a little bit to actually develop and translate and to translate over to professional ball. I think the hit tool is, could be above average, like future value if he continues to develop. The power, you're probably looking at average power, but still, solid power. The speed probably declines. I just think, again, you're looking at a guy who is just going to be a batting average type guy if he develops with not a whole lot of pop and not a whole lot of speed. I do think there's an opportunity to buy low here, but I'm not expecting what I expected when I saw him come out of Florida. Is that kind of how you're feeling? Pretty much, yeah. This position in general, I was kind of looking at some names here. There's a lot of buy low um, players here that you, you could target in dynasty leagues, and India is definitely one of them. And like you mentioned, he has fallen hard. Like he was at one point, he was my number one ranked guy for 2018 first year player uh, fantasy rankings, and I don't think I was alone there. I think I definitely saw. I don't remember who else, but he was definitely a kind of like one, two, three guy up there. And yeah, he just hasn't put it all together, and you know the. You know the the stat line is just like as middling as you can get, like two fifty four, three sixty nine, four ten, seventeen seventeen, and one hundred and sixty five games. I mean, I guess you could look at the you know, the OBP is is very good. He, he walks a fair amount. He's eighty seven walks in one hundred and sixty five games. That's great. But outside of that, everything else, contact skills are around average at this point. Where I think maybe I saw a lot of above average grades thrown on him on his uh, hit tool when he kind of came out from uh, Florida, but that's probably our average now, maybe 260-ish hitter. I think it's fair. You know, OBP probably 360, 370, so a little more average or a little more uh, value in OBP leagues, but I don't think he's much more than average power, average speed at this point, where he's a guy that kind of has a, maybe a poor man's Brian Hayes. I think is maybe where I'm at with him now. Or you see, like I said, a little bit less average than Hayes, and maybe some more power, maybe a little less power, a little less speed. You know, two sixty fifteen fifteen, I think is reasonable. But in, you know, kind of going back to Senzel here, you look at Senzel now. You know, he's he's an outfielder for the most part now. He's projected to be their fourth outfielder. He's, he's not even starting. Maybe he platoons. They have a, some platoon issues like Shogo Akiyama, but. He is not a locked-in starter, so that kind of shows how much Senzel has kind of dropped too. Though I still kind of believe in Senzel, and I'm not totally out on India, but I definitely would. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Maybe if I can get him for a really big discount, but at the same time, he's he's now 24. Like he turned 24 last week on the 15th, so it's not like he's 20 and still has a lot of development to go. This was a you know three-year college guy, like you mentioned, Chris at Florida. Doesn't have you know a lot of time left. He's in his mid twenties now. So if I can get him really really cheap, I will I'll buy. But if it costs me really anything substantial to get him, I'm I'm kind of out on India. 
Um, another guy that you can look to buy low at this position, like I mentioned, there's a lot of them. A guy that you know kind of hurts me too. Drop him down my rankings like I have, but Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals. Now he's still one of the top, you know, outside of Dylan Carlson. Like Nolan Gorman's still the top guy in this system, but you know, he's really kind of fallen from grace too. Where the the in game power kind of hasn't translated. You know, he's still got huge, huge raw power. Like this is double plus raw power from the left side with a swing that you know the, the swing path is through the zone generates plenty of natural loft, quick bat speed. And his hands are really quick, but there's you know there's some strikeout issues here. Does walk around ten percent of the time, which is which is solid. Oh, it's almost exactly at ten percent of the time. His hair over ten point one percent, but there's some swing and miss issues here. He hasn't really been making consistent contact. You know, outside of his you know debut in the Appalachian League where he hit three fifty, which that kind of cemented home like all right, Nolan Gorman's gonna be the next you know huge middle of the bat force coming up for St. Louis here. Since then, he hit uh, 202 in the Midwest League in 2018 after promotion there. And then in 2019, he started back in the Midwest League, hit two, uh, 241, and then 256 in the Florida State League, in which is Class A advanced. So a lot of 240-ish <laughs> averages. You know, I still think the hit tool can be average. I think it's fringe average now. I think he can get the average. And then with the at least plus in-game power, so maybe a 260 hitter with 30 plus home runs at the major league level probably hit summers in the middle of the order but he's kind of dropped down my rankings he's, he's more like in the 50 40s to i think i have him in the mid late 40s now where he was i had him at one point as high as like 12 to 15 which 2020 you know hindsight's 2020 and and uh that was that was too high it was way too high for a guy that had it doesn't have any any speed and has the the swing and miss concerns that he has but Chris, where are you at in Gorman now? Have you dropped him down pretty far too, or are you still a believer? Yeah, he's dropped. Um, I think I had him sixth in my rankings. Let me go back. So hair lower than you. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I've got him eighth, man. So I've dropped him a little bit further. I don't know. There's concerns. Obviously, the upside's there. The power is monstrous for him to just easily hit like 35 bombs if he – can develop, but the power just hasn't seemed to develop like I expected. Uh, we we saw obviously in his short season debut, he looked like he had that power in 2018. I mean, he had 16 bombs and about 270 plate appearances, and then in 2019, it seemed to kind of dissipate a little bit where he struggled. And we struck out more. Uh, the power just wasn't there. He hit 15 bombs and in a little over 500 plate appearances. So there was some concerns there with me that. I don't know, the power fluctuating. It could have just been from the standpoint of he wasn't making enough contact. We saw the average drop. And, you know, he was just stellar when he debuted in rookie ball in 2018 in 167 plate appearances, hit 11 bombs, and he slashed 350, 443, 664. So that was probably when he was like at peak value when everybody was hyping him. But now he seemed to drop a ton, and he's definitely dropped in my rankings. But the upside's there because you saw the upside when he debuted in 2018. You saw what he was capable of. Obviously, he's not going to hit 350. He doesn't have that kind of hit tool. But he has an average hit tool. And the, stri- the, the strikeouts are just hindering him right now. He's got to make some adjustments, I think. But if he does, he could be a 35-40 home run guy pretty easily. So this is an opportunity to buy low. Nobody's really talking about Nolan Gorman right now. 
he could have been down in the alt site, just really developing his game. And he may come out firing in 2021 and the value just rise back up. So now's the time to inquire and you might could buy low on him. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. I'm, I'm still, I'm not out on Longham by any means. Still very much in, just not quite as in as I was, say, a year and a half ago or so, you know, late 2018 after that debut that we both mentioned. But, um, yeah, the power is still there. Now, it's interesting. We, we kind of threw this down on our sheet, you know, as who kind of a raw power debate here between Nolan Gorman and, and Bobby Dahlbeck. For me, I think the raw power between these two is very comparable, but I think that just the, the ballpark fit for Dahlbeck. Like, if you put them in neutral park and just have them, you know, take assault, and I think you would see very similar home run totals. But I just think that, like I guess I keep mentioning that, that Fenway is perfectly tailor-made for Bobby Dahlbeck. So I'll, I'll give, you know, the power edge slightly to Dahlbeck here. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think what you said is fair. Dahlbeck fits Fenway perfectly. So in the long run over the next few seasons, I think that Dahlbeck does hit more. Like once they're both debuted, once they're both in their prime, just just the ballpark, man. It just fits Dahlbeck to a tee. Gorman, I don't know. There's concerns with both, obviously, with the swing and miss. But the power with both is monstrous. Dahlbeck just gets the edge because the ballpark for me. Yep. Yep, I think we're definitely in agreement there. You know, moving on to some guys that are kind of trending up now and not down. Let's get a little positive here as we get into the later part of our show. Now, a couple of 2019 draftees. There's been a lot of third-base draftees over the last few years. And two in particular that are kind of back-end top 100 guys, but definitely on the rise here. I guess I, I can take one, you take the other. I'll take uh, Cody Hosey because I've been very high on Cody Hosey for a while. Now, we had him on five-tool back in... God, it was April. It was like right in the beginning of the pandemic. So I think it was like mid-April. It's episode five. So it must be mid to late April. And he was very well-spoken. Um, very, very talented hitter. Like I've been, when you watch Cody Hosey at the plate, he's, he's a bigger guy, 6'4". You know, he's listed at 200. I think he's a little bit higher than that now just by looking at him. But very, very simplistic swing, but explosive. I love just that easy Easy raw power, easy bat speed. Doesn't do you know has a, doesn't have a lot of effort in that swing. Just the hands are quick. You know he's short to the ball, direct through the zone. Very simplistic, but very powerful. And we were talking with them too, like I mentioned when we interviewed him, um, you know, seven eight months ago at this point, where he said that you know he used to have a in, in high school and kind of early on at Tulane, he used to have a bigger leg kick, and he kind of got rid of that when he started realizing, you know, all right, the stuff is better here at Tulane than it was in high school, obviously, in, in college. So the stuff's better, the velocity's higher, the breaking stuff is better. I need to kind of tone this down and kind of make it more simplistic. And he even he used that word as himself. I just went back and listened to the episode before we came on here. Um, so he kind of got rid of that leg kick with more of a toe tap at Tulane, and he saw the power really take off. Like in his first two years at Tulane, he had zero home runs in 44 games in 2017. And then five and 58 games. So that's five total in 102 games and was at 401 plate appearances. So yeah, not a lot. He was not really on many people's draft boards, at least not as highly as he was when he was drafted in the back end of the first round. But that last year at Tulane, 23 bombs, 20 doubles, 58 games, while slashing 391, 486, 779. And that vaulted him way, way up everyone's draft board to where he was taken 25th overall by the Dodgers. 
And we asked him about that. You know, I think Jake Devereaux was one that actually asked the question. Um, but we were like, what happened? What did you do to you know have that breakout that really vault you up to a first round pick? And he said, you know, it wasn't anything big. Like he didn't make any huge mechanical issues. He just, you know, he said he did he did lower his hand slightly pre pitch. Um, but that was really the only mechanical thing he did. But he, he really just talked about getting more physically developed and physically stronger in that offseason between his uh, sophomore and junior seasons at Tulane. It's getting, you know, bigger, getting stronger. And he said he's watched a ton of video and really, you know, got better understanding how pitchers were attacking him and you know, where, what pitches and what counts they were, you know, throwing him. And it's really just getting smarter. He said, you know, he's like, yeah, I was a smarter hitter my last year and that really helped. So, you know, very, you know, good head on his shoulders. He's in a great org. Got a, you know, he raved about the Dodgers org from, you know, the player development, analytical, you know, what they feed them, you know, like everything. He could not have spoken more highly of the Dodgers org. And we all know the Dodgers have a great org, but just hearing it from someone that's within the org as a player, as one of their top prospects now, um, he's probably, you know, one of their top two or three prospects, depending on where you look. But, you know, Hosey is a guy that I think is going to be a very good hitter, you know, above average hit tool, above average to pl- plus raw power. It could be a 280, 25 to 30 home run type with a solid OBP as well. Walked over 10% of the time in at uh, Tulane. Does not strike out much at all. Does not chase much. Um, so I think you could see him, you know, be in that range where he doesn't like not a standout guy by any means. He's not going to be like a superstar or MVP candidate, but definitely an above average offensive third baseman, very polished too. So maybe you see him late 2021, depending on, you know, how he looks early in, in 2021. And if they bring back Justin Turner and how Evan Rios looks, there's a few factors here, a few, few variables that go into this, but I don't think late 2021 is totally out of the question, but probably more so early 2022. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a guy where he could be, talked about like we are now with Alec Bohm. Like give it another year. Maybe he's a top fifty guy, you know, kind of in that Bohm range. Um so definitely a guy that I would try buying now and actually for his value continues to rise. Um but enough about Jose Chris. Let's talk about Josh Young. What do you got on Josh Young? Yeah, so I'm excited about him because there's been a lot of talk that he could debut pretty early and be the Rangers third baseman. He was their first-round pick back in 2019 out of Texas Tech, eighth overall, and he's just extremely polished, very polished at the plate. He controls the strike zone well, drives the ball to all fields well, and he really puts a focus on hit over power. The quick hands that he has, sound approach in the swing, he just gets it done at the plate. Great hit tool. Some scouts have even, even thrown a 60 on it, which is pretty impressive. He knows when to turn on a pitch. He knows when to go opposite field. You just feel when you watch him that he knows how to hit a baseball well. He has big natural power, too, and he has a real strong lower half, which helps that. Consistently barrels the ball, gets great bat speed. If he can just pull the ball more aggressively, he could really grow into like a a 26 to 28 home run type guy, but he just doesn't pull the ball enough right now. As I mentioned, he focuses on hitting to all fields. It's what he's doing. But the power's there, and I love the hit tool. There's a lot to like here in, in Josh Young because I, I do think that he comes up this year and he's going to get some run. The Rangers really don't have a whole lot in the system. He, he's going to get a shot to develop and play, I think. 
and you're looking at a guy I think could hit 280. He's got solid OBP skills, could get up to like the 360 range OBP-wise, and solid pop. So gives you 25 homers. He's solid across the board. He's not going to be a standout like stud anywhere, but he's just going to be a good regular third baseman. He's going to be a guy that you can probably start for fantasy in in like 15-team leagues. And so I'm excited to see him develop, and I think that he does get a shot at getting the job this year. and Potentially he can run with it. So very excited about Josh Young and Cody Hosey as well, who are guys I think could both debut this year and really take off. It's funny. Like we kind of said very similar things about these two guys, which is they're very similar hitters, like with their overall upside and the tool grades and whatnot. You know, I had them in my last update here. I have Hosey currently 80 and Young 88. So like in the update before that, they were actually back to back at 77 and 78 respectively. So, yeah, they're basically both very similar upsides, you know, both high floor type of guys, polished bats. You know, I, I've given the ever so slightest edge to Hosey just because I think, you know, obviously he's going up to the Dodgers and Young going up to the Rangers. So I think there's, you know, a bit better lineup around Hosey, which is maybe the better counting stats. But like I said, they're both going to be pretty damn good here. Um, two of the better third basemen drafted in 2019. And there were a ton more, you know, third baseman drafted in 2020 here. We'll go over them kind of quickly. So we, we touched on some of these guys back in our uh, first year player up episodes, but you know, there was a handful of, you know, these are guys that you can get late in your FYPD for the most part. You, you don't have to spend like a top 30 pick on any of these guys, but there's just a lot of good power bats, you know, late in um, four that we have here. Gage Workman, Blaze Jordan, Colt Keith and Kobe Mayo, actually five, and Tyra Keenan. And then earl, a little bit earlier, you have to go and get Jordan Walker. But a lot of good power guys here. We won't go super in-depth on these guys. But, you know, Chris, is there like one or two guys here that really stand out to you? It's interesting because obviously Jordan Walker was the only one that was drafted really high. He was first round. Yeah, All the rest of the guys were pretty late. But I don't see one that stands out above the rest, which is probably most would disagree with me on. I think Walker's got a lot of power, but there's some hit tool questions. He's got some strikeout concerns. And then you look at other guys like Blaze Jordan, who has equally raw power, if not better raw power, than than Jordan Walker. And he was one of the youngest ones in the class as well. He reclassified. He was supposed to be a 2021 guy. He, at the age of 11, hit a 500-foot home run. I don't know if that's just like a myth or a legend or not. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to like see how accurate that is. Right. Everywhere you see, like it, it reads that way. And it says he hit 500 foot home runs at 11 and 13 years old. Like how much truth is that? I don't know, but he does have very impressive strength, impressive bat speed. He hits mammoth blast. He had, he recorded an exit velocity at 16 years old of 106.9 with a wood bat. <laughs> That's pretty darn impressive. So the power is obviously there for Blaze. I think that he could have a better hit tool than Walker, actually. And I think that he's kind of getting undervalued, and Walker is probably a little overvalued. But there's reasons to like both. There's reasons to like a lot of guys in this class. I like Gage Workman, who went later. Uh, he's with the Tigers, and we know that he was also teammates with Spencer Torkelson. So Tork got a lot of that shine, took it away from Workman. But Workman's a talented guy. Uh, Colt Keith. Extremely talented. He's a two-way guy, third base pitcher. So I think there's a lot to like. But honestly, my favorite of these guys that were drafted this year outside of uh, Austin Austin Martin is 
Blaze Jordan. I'll just go with it and say that Blaze Jordan could be the highest upside in ceiling of any of these guys. Yeah, he definitely could be, you know. And I want to put out there, too, since we're putting out these numbers here. When I was in Little League, I hit a 675-foot home run with, a, with an exit velocity of 156 miles an hour. I just want to put that out there. You know, we're documenting everything. I have, I have video somewhere. It's in storage. I'll get it out at some point. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's funny how, you know, it was like Bryce Harper was on the cover at 16 or 15, you know, and then it's like Blaze Jordan. It's like it's going to get younger and younger, and these guys hitting all these bombs in Little League. But it's like, all right, you know, they're 11. Let's, let's calm down here. But <laughs> – yeah, Blaze Jordan is obviously intriguing to me as, as a Red Sox fan. I don't know. I'm back and forth on Blaze Jordan. Like the power is undeniable. You cannot question the power. It is mammoth, but he's a little bit of a project, I think. And I don't know if he's third baseman. You know, he played some there, you know, going into the draft, but maybe he's more of a first base DH profile down the road. Who knows? Obviously, Red Sox have uh, Rafael Devers over there, and all have Bobby Dahl back as well. So, and also, you know, Tristan Cassis at first base. So we'll kind of see where Blaze Jordan fits in. He, this is kind of the same situation where Toronto, where Red Sox have that at the corner infield spots. But I don't know. I, I, I want to see the hit tool develop. It's funny too. You mentioned Jordan Walker. Like overall, like they both have huge power, hit tool concerns, swing and miss concerns. So where the overall skill set isn't too different. Yeah, I like Walker a bit more. But where you can get Jordan compared to where you can get Walker in your first-year player drafts or just in general in Dynasty Leagues, it's almost better just to pay them much lesser price and go after Blaze Jordan. But a lot of these guys are pretty similar. There's there's a lot of power here. Tyler Keenan, I like Gage Workman. I think he could be a big riser. I I have him already in my top 250 overall. Colt Keith, good late power. Kobe Mayo is a guy I like a lot as well. Tyler Keenan. All these guys are pretty solid, you know, above average and plus power bats. So see how the hit tools develop. I think, you know, one guy that couldn't kind of break out is Kobe Mayo. And he is from um, the infamous Stoneman, Doug, uh, Stoneman Douglas High School. Uh, not not infamous for good reasons, obviously, with that that tragedy a few years ago. But, uh, you know, he, he kind of talked about overcoming that uh, during his pre-draft interview. So, you know, he's one I'm definitely rooting for, for sure, just coming out of that situation, um, that tragedy. But... You know, a lot of, you know, if you want to take a flyer on some of these guys, just get some late power. You can get it for pretty cheap in Dynasty Leagues. You know, definitely um, go after a few of these guys. Like I said, you know, I think Workman's going to be pretty solid. I think he's a rise. And out of all the others, uh, kind of the back-end guys, outside of Blaze and Jordan Walker, I think I'd go with Kobe, Kobe Mayo. Uh, I think he'd be my one that could break out. I think the hit was a little bit better, potentially, there with Kobe Mayo. But... All right, we're getting late in the show here. Let's end with our upside slash breakout picks. We each got a couple here. Uh, Chris, who's your first upside breakout pick at this position? Yeah, I am stoked about Luis Toribio. I, I always want to pronounce it wrong. I think it's Toribio. He's the Giants' young left-handed third base prospect. He's going to be a big riser in 2021. He debuted in 2018 in the Dominican Summer League and dominated. Hit 10 bombs. Even though he's got a pretty small frame, he still hit for some power. Then he came stateside in 2019, posted an 887 OPS. Very solid. He led the rookie league, Arizona Arizona League, with 45 walks in 51 games. Just stupid plate discipline there. He's one of the best pure hitters in the Giants system, and a lot of Giants scouts say that, which is crazy, because we know that system is full of talented guys like uh, Marco Luciano and Luis Matos and Hunter Bishop. 
And there's reports that he posts similar exit VLOs that are comparable to all these guys. Very impressive in my book. There's a ton of projectability left in his frame. He's 6'1", 165. He's going to grow into that frame and could easily have 25, 28 home run pop, solid batting average. And I think the hit tool could project even better in the future if he continues to develop. So Luis Toribio is very exciting. He's a guy to watch out for this year, and he could be a fast riser. What about you? Who's your first guy? My first guy isn't super exciting. I love his last name, though. Aaron Shunk, uh, Colorado Rockies. Shunk, there it is, is like a, what I like to call him. But, um, yeah, he's on the – I had a hard time picking a breakout or two even at this position, even though there's a lot there's a lot of depth. But there wasn't anybody that, like, really, when I was looking at the entire my entire list of third-base prospects, that really just like, all right, stood out like, all right, this guy and this guy are my two breakouts. I had, to, I had to kind of think about this one. But I'll go Shunk more so for – opportunity and future home ballpark than anything else where the skills do not stand out here for Aaron Shunkman. There's no plus power. There's no plus hit tool. I know this is not a great way to talk him up. I know that, but I mentioned there's at least an average hit tool, potentially above average. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Got a very, very fluid swing, you know, puts the bat on the ball pretty well, can spray line drives, Power is probably only average, um, but, you know, average power and, you know, average of average hit tools have a way of playing up at course Field, especially the hit tool, more so than the power. So I think you could see that with, with Shunk here. Like I mentioned he's not going to be a guy that wows anybody with his raw tools. And, you know, he was the uh, second-round pick out of the University of Georgia in the Chris's neck of the woods down there in, near, in Athens. You know, he had a, g- a good final season there, slash 339, 373, 600, 15 home runs in 57 games, and then got into the minor leagues in the Northwest League, short season Northwest League, and slash 306, 3705, with six home runs, four steals, and 46 games. So the, the contact skills are there. I think he could be a, a 270 to 280, little, maybe a little bit more hitter. Doesn't walk a, a lot at all, unfortunately. Like the walk rate was pretty low uh, throughout the uh, his time in Georgia. It was actually right around five percent, and it didn't, it ticked up a little bit in the minors, but that was only in forty six games. Even that, it was only like seven percent. So OBP is not going to be super high, probably three thirty, maybe three forty at most, depending on how much contact he makes. But like I said it's, it's opportunity is going to be there, especially if you know Arenado's not going to be with Colorado long term. He's probably there in twenty twenty one, but I don't think you're seeing Arenado with Colorado two, three, four years down the road. So, you know, especially if they keep Josh Fuentes over at first, I think you could see Shung come up and get some time. I really do. So I don't think he's their, their long-term solution by any means. But like I said, average above average contact skills, around average power, course, field, opportunity. You know, there's the pieces are there for at least some, you know, maybe value for a couple of years. But yeah, so I'll go with uh, Shunk here as my first. Who's your second, Chris? Yep, and that is the Pirates' Alexander Mojica. He looked pretty dominant in his pro debut. He posted a, a 1048 OPS in the Dominican Summer League. He was also only 16 years old for most of that season. He's extremely strong, and his body actually kind of reminds me of a young Vlad before Vlad ballooned <laughs> and got really big. And so, before he was 280 or whatever he was yeah. last season. 
I'm just impressed that he performed at that level at 16 years old. And I think that there's a chance here that he develops into above average hit tool. And he's got a ton of raw pop, uh, impressive bat to ball skills, makes a ton of contact. And he regularly posted exit velos above 100 at just 16 and 17 years old. I think he slides over to first base probably long-term, but for now he's third. I don't care where he plays. The bat's pretty solid. He's extremely under the radar right now. And he's a guy I'd go pick up if he's not already on in your dynasty or you can acquire him on the cheap because I think that he's going to really blossom this year when you see him get to play full season stateside. And I think he could really take off value wise. So Alexander Mojica is my second breakout pick. My second guy is a little more intriguing, but much not as advanced as Shunk, but has a little more upside, I think, if things break right. And that's Christopher Morrell of the Chicago Cups. A guy who probably weighs as much as one of Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s legs. He's listed at six foot one forty, and I don't know how accurate that one forty is at this point. Um, that was on Baseball Reference, but I'm thinking it's a little more than one forty now, but probably not a whole lot. I don't think he's like one ninety by now. But you know, the the raw tools are, are kind of intriguing here. You know, look through his first 188 games in the minors over the last uh, over three seasons in the Cubs system. The slash line is not impressive at all. 243, 308, 382. None of those three really stand out at all. (laughs) But, you know, 16 home runs, 33 steals, albeit was caught 21 times, which is not great, especially in the lower levels of the minor leagues where you like to see that, you know, the catching isn't really as, you know, the arms aren't really as great down there. You know, they get more refined as they get up from what I've seen. But, you know, so – the fact that he's already getting caught a ton is a little concerning for me, but he's got above average speed. He's already shown you know, average to above average raw power. And I think with bulk, you could see that tick up in the maybe borderline plus territory. We'll see. But you know, as you can probably tell from the slash line, the hit tool here, the approach here is kind of what's going to drive his value. And if he's going to be able to be a riser up rankings over the next year or two, as he gets in the, you know, double A, probably gets a double A at some point, either later this year or 2021, I should say, or in 2022, he reached uh, the Midwest League in 2019, actually played the entire season in 2019 at the Midwest League, 73 games, slash 284, 320, 467. So that kind of has ticked up after hitting 216 and 220 in his first two years, but it doesn't strike out a ton. So that's not really an issue there. Just putting the bat on the ball is, is really the issue here. So, he doesn't walk a whole ton at all either. Um, I said 308 OBP uh, through his first 188 games. So, you know, if the contact skills can tick up, if the approach can be cleaned up a little bit here, you know, even if he can just get to around average hit tool, which I don't think is, you know, totally out of the question. Right now I think he's a below average hit tool. But if he can get up to around average, I think that power speed could play. You know, I mean, there could be some openings in that the left side of that Cubs infield, especially if they – Deal Chris Bryant, who knows? Could be an opening here and over the next handful of years that uh, Morrell could step in. But, yeah, so I guess the, the tools are nice. He still has a lot of things to work on. Still very, very raw at the plate, very raw on the uh, on the base path. So a lot of things to work on here. But I do see, you know, a path to some solid fantasy value here. So if you want to, you know, you can buy him very, very cheap right now. Um, so if you want to go out and do that, just hoping that these improvements can be made, you, know, you could get a nice little you know, return in, in, in value here. So um, yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll go with him here as my second breakout. 
And that's going to wrap us up. Thanks to everyone for tuning in once again to another episode of the Tool Shed. We will be back again next week. Luckily, the Christmas holiday doesn't follow one of our record days. We record usually on Sundays. We're a day late this week because of some scheduling things. But we will definitely be back next week on our normal day on Monday release. And we will put out our consensus rankings here. Probably do top 25 or maybe even top 30 um, since this was such a deep position. We'll probably pop that out here you know, maybe tomorrow or on Thursday as we do every week with these um, positional rankings we've been doing. And now we're getting into the big boys here. We're getting into shortstop, outfield, pitching. Maybe we split these up into two episodes, some of these positions. Who knows? A lot of good names to talk. So we'll see how we kind of map this out. But it's going to be some pretty fun episodes here after the holiday. So hope everyone has a great holiday week here. Hope you everyone stays safe. And until then, we will be back with you next week. 